rolling. Hi, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mega Strange Podcast. This is the strangest podcast on the internet. I'm officially calling it. If you think there's a stranger podcast out there, we're coming after them and we're going to destroy their reputation because we're taking the, the belt, the championship. Oh, shit. This is the podcast that discusses cryptids, ghosts, UFOs, paranormal experiences, demonology, and just all kinds of weird human behavior as well, which is what we're covering today. Yeah, I wanted to just say real quick, it feels really good to be back in the studio with our desk. Uh, we're on the road for like a month. Yeah, that sounds very heartfelt. Yeah. Are you ob obligated to say this? No, I'm. this is coming from the heart. This oh, is, This okay. is off the dome right you're now. You're like, oh, I just want to say it's good to be back. Sorry, I haven't had any coffee. You're <laughs> you just won the Super Bowl and you're like one of these dumb meatheads who's forced yeah, to talk. I just want to say, oh, uh, uh, yeah, the coach told me I had to come out here and tell everybody it's good to be back <laughs> in the studio. Played a good uh, game. It's, uh, been, it's been real good touring tour the country, talking to all the Mega 64 fans out there on the last lap you're tour. In the, you're in the background, like throwing fucking liquor everywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, boo! <laughs> We're popping up. We ain't talking to any reporters today. Uh, no, I, was, I have had my coffee in case you yeah, can't tell. I haven't had my coffee, but I just want to say for real, like I'm, I'm generally happy to be back. This is, it was really cool meeting everyone out there. We definitely look like two people that went through a fucking like life experience. I feel like we, we look different. <laughs> you think so? I mean, I fucked my beard up today, so I had to go into a mustache mode. So, oh, that's like, what's different yeah. about you. And also yeah, these lights look, are hitting me and I look really fat. But you, you're giving me like a Charlie Chaplin vibe. Is that your version of the lovable tramp? Yeah. That's hilarious. I think you are like a modern day Charlie Chaplin. Okay, wow. anyways, so back to the introduction. Yes. Today we're talking about weird human behavior and specifically mysterious disappearances. People who vanished without a trace. We don't know what happened to any of the people we're going to talk about today. Nope. There's going to be a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of unsolved mysteries we'll leave it up to you to think about these conundrums maybe you can solve it for yourself uh but before we get into these stories how you doing i'm doing great yeah you've already thanked uh, the whole world i'd like to thank uh, <laughs> all the mega 64 people out there for you know helping me win the game it was a really good time yeah uh we are going to be talking more about the cryptids that were shared with us Oh, oh yeah, on the road. I had uh, we just completed the West Coast leg of the tour, and once again, all these people came out were very complimentary about this show. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for boosting the signal and getting all your friends to subscribe and listen to the episodes. It feels like this show is catching on like wildfire. Yeah, and everywhere we went, people were tipping us off to different cryptids, different haunted hotels, demonic bridges. Uh, you got a lot of stories out there and, and we got them now as yeah. well. And we'll be sharing them in upcoming episodes. What, what's up? Oh, I just wanted to bring up that, uh, in, during our Dallas show, a guy came up to me and he said he was a paranormal investigator. Oh yeah. I talked to that guy as well. And he gave me a list of like all these haunted things. And I just thought it was really funny. It was still in my pocket. So I was like, oh shit. And yeah. I pulled it out. And let me tell you, he was very complimentary about this show. Yeah. So we got the official endorsement yeah. from a paranormal investigator. <laughs> if it's good enough for the professionals, it's good enough for you. Hell yeah. All right. So today right. we're talking about mysterious disappearances. We have a couple of stories and I was the one who kind of uh, suggested this topic today. Yeah. And as soon as I did, mm. you popped because yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, can I talk about the story of what's her name? Elisa Lamb. Yep. Elisa Lamb. Uh, which I think a lot of people out there may have 
heard of before. In oh the past. yeah, it's it's. I think there's even a Netflix documentary about it. When I was doing my research, I was I was like, oh, I didn't know there was so much out there about this. But I know it was like a a, a big viral video. Yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, Elisa Lam is a woman well, who mysteriously disappeared. Okay, I was about to say I could go into it. If you want. Yeah, well, I do want you to go into it, but people out there have probably seen this yeah, video, yeah, yeah. so I just want to let them know what we're talking about. Mm. We're starting off. Uh, this is our introduction. We're only going to get weirder from here. Oh, shit. So what pe- tell people you can do it because okay. you did the research. But yeah, tell yeah. people what they might already know about Elisa Lam just by being on the Internet. What may they have seen about this story? Well, the biggest thing was there was a video of her that went super viral um, where she's on an elevator and uh Acting very strange. I've seen this video. Uh, this is always in like the top 10 creepiest things caught on camera. Yeah. Like YouTube compilation videos. I'll, I'll like show the video later once I kind of go through everything. But yeah, in, in the video, she kind of. Uh, her hands are moving strange. Uh, she looks like she's hiding from someone and the elevator door just like refuses to close. Yeah. So a lot of people think there's like this like. Was she chased by a ghost or a demon or something or like uh was there someone after her? No one really fully knows because we don't really see it on camera. Check out this video if you haven't seen it. We'll we'll throw it up on our Instagram yeah. if you want to go to Make a Strange Podcast on Instagram. You can watch the video. I've seen it. She looks like she's definitely hiding Yeah, in this elevator from something. And you already mentioned it could be a ghost. But I think more than likely it's a person <laughs> just based on how this story ends up. Well, I never really dove too deep into like all the stuff about her. And I have my own kind of theories on what happened. OK, you want to so get into it. Lay it on. So who is Elisa Lamb? How did she wind up in this hotel to begin with? So out the gate, Elisa Lamb, I didn't know this. She was Canadian. Um, oh, already a red flag. These yeah. people are Canadians are known for getting into trouble doing things they shouldn't do. All, all the Canadians out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she was the daughter of, of two uh, immigrants from Hong Kong, and she was a, a student at the University of uh, British Columbia. Okay. And so I don't know fully what happened, but I think she, maybe she was stressed out. Uh, she took a semester off and decided to go on a trip to California. Okay. And this was the crazy part. How old was she? At this point, she was 21 years old. Okay, so, you know, just old enough to drink, School stressing me out. I'm going to go to Los Angeles and just party. I'm just going to take a year to forget about school. So the weird thing about this, I mean, I guess it's not weird. San Diego is a bit of a party town. Her original destination was San Diego. Okay. She she went to San Diego. I mean, San Diego is not like a party town. Yeah, it's just I know. a nice place but to visit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's nice beaches. There's, there's cool places to go. Yeah, the tourism board should pay us for this sponsorship, <laughs> for this awesome plug. But uh, she, uh, her first stop was visiting the San Diego Zoo. There was apparently a bunch of photos on social media of oh. her there. Um, I couldn't find said photos. I, I Googled high and low. Mm. This must have been around the time when a steam-powered giraffe was the resident yeah. band at the San Diego Zoo. So she, see she probably caught some steam-powered <laughs> giraffe concerts, you know. Uh, Thought she was a robot for a while. <laughs> she started in San Diego, and her final destination apparently was Santa Cruz. Oh, so uh, she took the Amtrak wow. train. Really aiming high. Yeah. Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. We're going to top it all off with Santa Cruz. I'm going to go to the skate shop, get that hand logo tattooed on me. <laughs> I, I forgot that's Santa Cruz. <laughs> um, I'm going to get a longboard. Uh, anyway, she decided to go to Santa or her final destination was Santa Cruz. Uh, she took the Amtrak train to L.A., uh, which I've done multiple times. Okay, so maybe you'll end up um, disappearing off an elevator someday. Finally. Uh, but then 
On January 26th, she arrives in L.A. Uh-huh. Um, finally. This is finally. where the story gets good. And here's the weird part to me. There's no information for two days. Uh, she didn't do anything. Like, there's no information of where she stayed or who she hung out with. Okay. It was after two days she finally checks into the Cecil Hotel. Okay. Which we were near on tour. A lot of people were telling us to go visit it. And I was like, why are people telling us to go visit the Cecil Hotel? And apparently so many people have died in this hotel that it's kind of ridiculous that it's still uh, allowing guests at this point. <laughs> it should be de- uh, determined it should be uh, hazard- hazardous to your health. Because so many people have died there. I think Richard Ramirez stayed at that yes. hotel. Yes. Um, the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have serial killers. We have somebody smoked weed in there once. Probably. I'm told. I heard that a lot of the rooms have had sex in before. <laughs> so all kinds of crazy stuff is happening at this hotel. Elisa Lamb checks in there because she's from out of town. She doesn't And know she's better. a 21-year-old dumbass. Yeah. I, I shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but if you're checking into a hotel that a serial killer sleeps at, like you don't know enough about the world to be traveling in Los Angeles by yourself. Just saying that's my, I agree. that's Derek Acosta's hot take it's for literally this episode. A fucking like a step away from Skid Row. Like I've walked into some hotels where I did not feel comfortable staying and I'm like, no way I'm walking right out. Like you just have to have that spider sense. Just the area around that hotel is fucking gnarly. Yeah, if you're like stepping over a unconscious crackhead to like <laughs> put your bags with the bellhop, I think you need to leave. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. All right. No, Anyways, yeah, continue. Continue. Yeah. Um, so initially she was assigned a shared room uh, on the the hotel's fifth floor. I don't know if this. I'm so what? Hard yeah, stop. that's what I was gonna a say. A shared room? Yeah, I don't know if this is with like her friends okay. or if it was like. This hotel has like hostel rooms. I think now would be a good time to let people know, in case you didn't, how this story ultimately ends up. Oh, I was going to, I was trying to build up to it. Well, there's nothing people, I mean, I think that they should know how this all ends up to build the tension. Okay. She ends up in a water tank. Dead. Dead. On the roof of the building. A water tank that is impossible to get into. Nobody knows how she got there. Yeah. All right. So let's rewind. Let's go back to okay. the shared room yeah. she checked into. And we'll connect the dots to see if we can yeah, yeah, figure yeah. out how A gets to, to <laughs> B and to C. So she was assigned a shared room. I couldn't find any info if it was like with like friends, like if it was, this was a group trip or something. But uh, whoever she was with started uh, going to the front lobby and complaining about her. And saying she was giving off very odd behavior. This was quoted from their lawyers. Oh. The hotel's lawyer said that the the statement given was, yeah, certain odd behaviors, as in quotes. What so, I, they don't specify what no, that means. They didn't specify. Apparently, she like, just started acting weird. And she's staring at me. <laughs> she's cutting her toenails in public. I don't. <laughs> this girl's so, a freak. So two days later, she was then moved to her own room. This sounds like she's in prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, the corrections officers who work at the CISA hotel transferred her to cell block uh, D, put her in solitary confinement. This is what I'm saying. Like there was two days where she showed up at L.A. and ended up in Skid Row at the worst hotel. Like what happened in those two days? I don't, um, know. I don't know. Anyway, so. This all happened in January, by the way. OK. Uh, in February 2013, uh, she was supposed to check out the hotel. Um. Wait, she was there for a month? Yes. Apparently, she had... Uh, there was no specific set date for when she was supposed to check out. It was just somewhere around February. 
Uh, I think the hotel's really cheap, so you can stay there for long periods of time. Um, but immediately the police were notified, and um, all they could find was her wallet and ID still in the hotel room. And her parents had reported her missing at this time as well. Um, so a couple days later, the LAPD launched their investigation and they released their first statement. They say um, her disappearance is suspicious and may su suggest foul play. Um, and LAPD, the LAPD, sorry, excuse me. The LAPD doesn't really know what to do. So they look into uh, the video footage of the hotel, uh -huh. the CCTV stuff. And they see that video of her in the in the elevator. And, and since they, they don't really have any leads or anything, they decide to re release it to the public and see if anyone can um, identify her. So at this point, I would be down to show the video if you want to see it. Oh, we have the video. Yes, we have the video. Well, let's fire it up. Okay, here we go. There's no sound or anything. But uh, it's like a... Three minute video. Okay, so hold on a sec. Yeah. This was on CBS News. Yeah, the only. <laughs> oh, you can play the video. Let's we'll yeah, talk yeah. over it. The this only uh, footage that wasn't the size of a fucking stamp was the CBS. So this news. is was national news. Yes. This is Elisa Lamb in the Cecil Hotel. And you this is. The door isn't closing. This is some of the odd behavior. She steps out, starts screaming. Well, I don't know if she screams. Yeah. She looks around. She's she's apparently hiding here. Okay, so she doesn't want to be seen by anybody. Yeah. She wants the elevator to appear empty, it looks like. Yeah, this is I've seen this video. Yeah. I mean, it, this gives me the impression that somebody's following her, you know? Yeah. I, I just want to play like all of it because it gets really weird towards the end here. She steps out like very slowly. Uh-huh. That weird jump that she did. I don't know what, what is happening there. But uh, she goes back in. <laughs> she goes back out. And then there's this one moment coming up where her hands start doing some really wacky stuff. A lot of people like to point to it as like a sign of like, is she conjuring something? Uh, is this like some weird ghost thing? Um, it's coming up here in a second. Okay. But yeah, right here. Oh, wait. She goes in again. Sorry. <laughs> she starts hitting every floor. Yeah, trying to get the elevator to close or something. Yeah. I, if you're ever down, I would love to go to this hotel and see how long it takes for the elevator door to close. Because it might just be a long elevator uh, door. Yeah, I'll wait in the car and yeah. <laughs> you can go play around in this elevator and let me know how it all works out uh, for you. Definitely. <laughs> And I'm so down here. Her hand. She starts doing like weird stuff with her hand. Like you see how her arms are like doing. weird. Yeah, shit. I see Johnny. Scary. It's video. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, we don't know because there's no audio. So it would be yeah. a big help to know if she's saying things, if she's talking to somebody. Yeah, she like counting. It's very strange. Yeah, it, she could be communicating with somebody off camera. Yeah, she could just be gesticulating with her hands. As anyway, trying to explain some stuff. That's about it. Um, so the police re released that footage in hopes of like someone identifying. Um, but a couple days later, all right, we get some weird <laughs> reports coming in from the hit hotel. me with it. I don't want to drag this out. We got more sorry, stories to cover. Sorry, sorry. So I, I really let's like get story. let's get to the um, juice. So 
I got some inside details about this because one of our friends, when we were talking to you on tour, their friend worked at this hotel at this time. Okay. And so when I was finding reports about this, it was like, oh, people started turning on the water faucets and getting a strange smell. Yeah, I've heard this as well. And then our friend was like, oh, people were brushing their teeth and be like, why is this taste disgusting? Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, so the maintenance worker, uh, Santiago Lopez, went to investigate why the water was smelling bad. And he opened the hatch and noticed the body of lamb floating inside. Um, so the weird part of this whole story is, uh, first, first off, they, uh, they did an autopsy. There was no reports of drugs or anything in the, in the toxicology report. Um, no, no reports of, uh, intoxication or, or, or any types of drugs in their system. And, um, well, I don't care what wasn't in there. What was in there? Yeah. So there was nothing. And then okay. uh, the circumstances of her death remain unknown to this day. Uh, I did just really fast. Sorry to wrap it up here. I just want to go through the four. There's only four ways to get on this roof. Uh, there's three fire escapes. Um, and then the fourth way to get in is through a locked door where an alarm would go off. So that never happened. And if she went through the fire escape, people probably would have seen her go uh, up those. And then furthermore, accessing that water tank, you need a 10 foot ladder to get up in there. Uh, so it's just a huge mystery of how she got in there. And the only footage to go off of is this, you know, strange CCT footage of her doing weird hand things. Well, clearly somebody who works at the hotel killed her. <laughs> you think so? Uh, a lot of people What in doing research. I well, found yeah. How else? Was, who else could get in access to the water tank? Could have a 10 foot ladder would have an opportunity and the knowledge to yeah. access that part of the hotel. It have to be somebody who worked there. The other uh, element of it, apparently, that came out recently is that she was apparently bipolar um, and was on a lot of medication and was prone to fits like that, with what she was having in the elevator. Um, so I personally, I don't know how she got up there, but I think it may have been of her own accord. I think the concierge killed her. That's what I think. Or maybe the chef. Somebody uh, at the Cecil Hotel is guilty chef. of this crime. Yeah, you know, the five-star chef they have in that in that uh, hotel lobby. Uh, that video went super viral after all this, and, and the story went super viral, so I'm sure you've, you've heard about this, and there's a, a Netflix documentary if you're interested in more. Nice. Well Elisa done. Lamb That's story. the Elisa Lamb story. I know you love that story, so I'm happy that you got to share that with yeah. us. Um, well... Do you want to go on yours thing? I wanted to save mine because uh, I think that mine is going to be very, very strange. Okay. Uh, and I know you have another one mm. that I feel like is kind of similar. Yeah, I was going to say. To Elisa it's, very, it's very similar. Uh, this was one that I had also read about. Yeah. So let's talk about Mr. Lars. What's his name? Mittank? Mittank. Yeah. Tell people the story of this guy. Another person who mysteriously disappeared. Now, with Lars Mittank... Mm. I don't think anybody ever found no his body. Uh, so he is currently missing to this day. He was last seen running away from an airport on camera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why don't why don't we get into that one? Yeah. So uh, Lars Mittank, uh, he was a, at the, uh, he was 28 years old and him and his friends decided to travel to uh, Bulgaria, specifically Varna, Bulgaria. Um, so they arrived around June 30th, 2014. Um, and they decided to go to a bar. Um, and at the bar, uh, their Mitenk's friends 
realize that Lars isn't there anymore. And they're like, oh, what, what happened to him? So they decide to go home and that where he shows up the next morning. And they're like, what happened to you? And he's like, there were these men. They beat me up. Um, we got into an altercation about soccer teams. Yeah. So uh, let me help you out yeah. here. These guys, they're young. You know, they're in their 20s. They live in Europe. And uh, there's a competitive soccer culture in Europe. Oh, people yeah. People are like... People like fucking stab you. Yeah, it's it's shit. almost like gang fights over yeah. there. So he, they're in a strange country and they get in an argument about soccer, about sports. Uh, and this dude gets his ass whooped. Yeah. Four people jump him. And from my understanding, they punch him in the ear or something where they're, they're able to rupture his eardrum. Yeah. Which... He, oh, sorry. Oh, I don't know, but I can only assume is extremely painful. Anything that affects my ears feel is a stabbing pain. Uh, so I imagine a ruptured eardrum. It's got to feel like a knife is going into your brain or something. Also, There's no way for that to heal either, I don't think. Uh, no, I think it can heal. Okay. I think it just takes time, but it affects your sinuses. So anything that's pressurized, you're not able to do it with a ruptured eardrum, yeah. which means the plane ride home, mm. he can't take it you're not able to get on the plane. Yeah. He went to a doctor and yeah, they said he had a, a broken eardrum, a cracked jaw as well. And he was immediately prescribed antibiotics oh, and man. was advised not to go on the flight with they his whooped, friends. They whooped his ass. They beat his ass. Okay. So his friends, uh, they want to stay with him right in Bulgaria. No, they, they want to go. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And he keeps having to reassure them. Like I'm going to get on the flight. It's all, it's all good. Um, but they have an extra day, so they check into another hotel. Um, and it was during this time, it was the hotel color. Uh, and his friends start saying that uh, Lars starts acting very strange at this point. He's extremely paranoid that these dudes are going to show up again. Um, he keeps claiming that he's like he's, they're just being pursued constantly. Yeah, um, so maybe like uh, these guys were involved with the Bulgarian mafia. Yeah. You never know. They're They're like tapping his phones and parking the car outside of his hotel spying on him this is what he thinks yeah and this is funny in, in relation to uh lisa lamb apparently at this new hotel he hid in the elevator for a, a prolonged period of time as well that's the move yeah that's um, what you do when you're uh, having uh, when you're about to disappear <laughs> you start hiding out in the elevator oh, shit um and then he uh Apparently called his mom, asked in, in, in a, like hushed tones, asked her like uh, to cancel his credit cards, and that four men were intending to kill him. Okay, mom, four guys are trying to kill me. Cancel all my credit cards. <laughs> I, I may be dead soon, and I I just don't want this debt to spiral out of hand in the afterlife. Uh, so the next day they go to the airport and this is a, the weirdest part of the story for me is that in, uh, Bulgaria, they have doctors at the airports. So he was able to go to a doctor nice. at the Jeez. airport. Um, God, the healthcare system in Bul even Bulgaria is kicking our ass. Exactly. And, uh, he asked if he was okay to fly home. Um, but during this conversation with the doctor, uh, uh, there's not a lot of reports about this, but apparently someone came in and like disrupted the conversation. Like, yeah, at the I heard it was a construction. Worker. Yeah, yeah, it was a construction worker, which set like started uh, uh, made Lars kind of spiral out in this moment. Like he, he thought like that was one of the dudes and, and apparently he like ran away. Um, This is where you then see the footage of him. Should I just show the footage instead of trying to explain it? Because I, I have the video. Yeah, here. let's show the tape. This is the last known footage of Lars Mitank ever seen alive. 
There's there's a text on the screen. It pretty much explains everything I said already. Um, but this is him going to check in with the doctor. I said, uh, oh, an ear injury. Yeah, when he stayed in the hotel. Okay, yeah. So that's him in yellow. Yeah. This this is the only footage I could find, and it does a good job. Like, oh yeah, then that stuff happens. He runs out. Twenty eight years old. Yeah. He runs across there. This video does a good job of like honing in on where he's at. Where's he going? He, I think he hops a gate. He climbed over a fence at the airport. Yeah. And just runs off into the field. Goes. And was never seen again. Never seen again. Uh, This video tries to act like maybe he might still be around. Like, is this a, he ain't around. around. The dude's long gone. Um, so yeah, that, that is the, you know, the multiple cameras recorded him fleeing. And like you said, there's been no trace of him ever since. No body, no nothing. Okay. So theories on what happened. Uh, I think the combination of a fractured eardrum and all those antibiotics sent him on a fucking spiral. Yeah. And he ran near too close to an airplane. <laughs> and I think he might have died somewhere near there. Because uh, there's a lot of ways you can die. I didn't notice if you just get too close to an airplane, like the, the jet engine will kind of just take you. Yeah, suck you in. Um, make mincemeat out of you. I think something happened to him. Like on, a 1930s boxer. I think he died that day. Because I don't think... And they never found the body. I mean, if you die in an airport, they're going to find you. That's true. I just think that, like, him, like, going missing for so long and not even, like, a call or anything. Well, I read... I agree that he's probably dead. I think he's dead, yeah. I, I don't know if you found this in your research, but I was doing some research on this story, and apparently the prescription medication that the doctor gave him for his punctured eardrum has a side effect of... Paranoia? Paranoia and oh. psychosis. Oh, okay. And they said the timeline matches up that immediately after getting beat up by these four guys and going to a doctor and being prescribed this medication... He starts imagining that the four guys are still looking for him. Yeah. And when the construction worker comes into the room, he thinks it's like a, a hitman undercover and he runs for his life and he probably in a psychotic episode died. Died. Yeah. I don't think he died at the airport, but maybe like he went into the wilderness and got eaten by a bear. A yeah. Bul- a, bear, a Bulgarian bear. That is true. In Bulgaria, there is a lot of like stuff out there like that. Cause I was thinking like, he can't still be around. At some point, that medication would wear off, and he'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah, what call, have I been doing? Holy my shit, my ear is better. Yo, mom, turn the credit cards back on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think something happened in that moment. Nice. All right, well, thank you for sharing both of those stories. Yeah, I feel like I kind of jittered through them, but I did my best, and I, I had a good time. You're all right. You Hell know, yeah. I think I might know where Lars Mittank actually is. I think he's still alive and well oh, in shit. the woods of Bulgaria. And what's he doing out there? He's probably hunting Bulgarian Bigfoot. What? Yeah. <laughs> is that a thing? Lars is probably uh, a full-fledged cryptid hunter by this yeah. point. Um, and you know what? If you're going to be a full-fledged cryptid hunter, I think that you should do yourself a favor and go look up Cryptid Crate, Ooh. which happens to be the official sponsor of this show. And I want to let everybody know Cryptid Crate actually sent us what? a demo crate. I didn't know. A little sampler kept this a secret from us. I did keep it a secret <laughs> so we could open it up and see what is inside sure. for the very first time. We're going to unbox a cryptid crate. I got this uh, 
a few days ago. I ripped it open just to see what it was. I was like, oh, it's the cryptid crate, but I haven't really looked at any of this stuff. Let's check it out. Sure. So uh, I think that's everything. I'm in there. To address. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. I'll have to bleep that out. You'll have to blur that. <laughs> really appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So um, this one was looking kind of interested okay. to me. This is a comic called Folk Tales of the Cryptids. This mm. was kind of the only thing I peeked at in there. And it looks like a, a pretty cool like graphic novel. Oh, that's that, great. Like has stories of different like things that Lars Matank is probably <laughs> encountering. Uh, Beast men of the wild. Oh, what is this? And it looks like uh, like El Chupacabra in oh. here. This actually is uh, something I might want to read. Yeah, it's later. drawn. It's drawn really well. I don't know if you want to show it to the camera. I don't, yeah, let me find like a good dude. We got like violence. We got like horror movies Ooh. in here. Bigfoot's killing people. Okay, uh, what else? There's a shirt here. I, oh. I have no idea what this shirt looks like. So this could be cool. This could be scary. We don't know. It could have an actual Bigfoot sighting on it. Is this the right way? Oh, dude. It's actually really sick. It's the Fresno Nightcrawlers. <laughs> we haven't sick? even talked about those on this show. Bro. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Fresno no, Nightcrawlers. No, this shirt is fucking awesome. But you're going to love uh, this. We're going to be talking about these guys in an upcoming episode. This is a cool shirt. Wait, wait. What size is this? It looks it like Miyazaki a, shit. It's a medium. Oh, it's not my size. This one's going to be fitting yeah, me. Dude, I'm going to be rocking this. That's really cool. Um, I went to PAX and was talking to some people who do cryptid podcasts up mm. there and people kept telling me about the Fresno Nightcrawlers. Like, you got to talk about them. They're in California. We could go hunting for them ourselves. Sure. Uh, okay, that's pretty cool. We also have... A beer koozie. Cryptid Claw. Cryptid Claw. Hard, hard seltzer. <laughs> that's mine. I'm taking that. Uh, it's a beer koozie and it's the Huckleberry Hodag, which I can only assume is like... i put my white a, claws in there. A southern. This is <laughs> this is uh, pretty legit. I love this. We've got some cryptid crate stickers here. By the way, Mega Strange is going to have uh, our very first pieces of oh, merchandise. Yeah. Official Mega Strange stickers available in the very next cryptid crate. Get so if you go over to cryptid crate right now, sign up with the discount code Mega Strange, all one word, lowercase, and you will get some Mega Strange stickers in the next cryptid crate. I was talking to the people over there. And they were saying you could get the sampler crate Ooh. or you could get the full-fledged subscription. The stickers will be available in both. Uh, what else? What else? We, they the sent us so much coin. Bat Squatch. What is this? Bat. A coin? Yeah, it's a gold coin, but... Uh, like a balloon? It looks like something you would get. It's a cryptid crate exclusive. Oh. Wow, limited edition collector's coin. Bat Squatch. It's like a Sasquatch with bat wings. That's if you're into cool. coin collecting. Oh, this is fucking awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> bat Squatch. We have like a geometric crystal uh, Sasquatch head. You can't really see it. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's a cool sticker. And then we have a Mothman figure. Mothman. Oh, I've seen these. These are like troll dolls mixed with cryptids. I think when we were on tour, actually. Yeah, someone gave them. Somebody gave us El Chupacabra and Cthulhu. Uh, oh, someone it, gave me the Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil. Now we got Mothman. Dude, Dude we're I went from never knowing what these uh, wild hair creatures toys were to now I have like almost the full collection. <laughs> I think we have the full set. Dude, it even says where the cryptid is from. There's Whoa. like a map on the back. That's really cool. I love that. Um, I think that's everything. That was awesome. Yeah, that was everything in the sampler crate. Yo, check it out. Uh, cryptid crate. Go ahead and use the discount code MEGASTRANGE and you will get $5 off the sampler and the sampler has a 50% off coupon for your first month subscription or use the code MEGASTRANGE for your first month subscription. Get 25% off right off the bat. 
Thanks, Cryptid Crate. Thank you, Cryptid Crate. All right. Um, that's awesome. We'll have to divvy that up later. Maybe I want the White Claw koozie. You can have it. I know. <laughs> um, okay, I have one more story I want to share with everybody, sure. and I've been saving this for last because I feel like this one is truly bizarre. Mm. This one is going to have you asking questions at the end of this story. Was it all real? Was it a dream? Was it all a dream? Um, okay. This one is like so convoluted. Okay. I really spent a lot of time trying to get a clean narrative here that would also deliver this in the most like intriguing way. Okay. So there's a couple of elements at play here with this story, but basically I want to hone in on one character, a man who went by the name of, well, first of all, his name was John Johnson. John Johnson. John Johnson, but he went by the nickname Fritz. Okay, was he German? Fritz Johnson. Okay. He was American. Oh. <clears throat> he lived in Chicago, in the Chicago area in 1957. Mm. And Fritz Johnson actually became somewhat of a local celebrity in that area. Now, people never saw him before 1957, but one day out of the blue, he walks into a place called the Round Table Bar, some people say it was a different place called Ross's Steakhouse. But either way, he walks in and talks to the owner, a guy named Mike Chiodo. Kyoto, excuse me. And basically Mike explains. Chiodo? That sounds so familiar. Yeah, that's the name of uh, the wrestling referee. Oh, referee I like, why do I Mike Kyoto. Oh, okay. This guy has the same name, though. Oh. Different Mike Kyoto. Mike Kyoto in this story owns the restaurant and bar. And Fritz tells him, hey, I just got out of the Navy. I've been in there for 14 years. Mm. I have. Here's my Navy ID. I'm basically looking for a job. Um, and he seems really charismatic and he's friendly and he's funny. So Mike gives him a job. And Fritz becomes a bartender at this place outside of Chicago. And he becomes extremely popular. People are always coming in. They're like, oh, your name's John Johnson? And he's like, actually, my name's Fritz. You see, I grew up in an orphanage in Boston. And there were 22 kids that got dropped off on the doorstep of this orphanage over time. Mm. And I was one of the 22 and every kid who was dropped off, uh, was, uh, who was abandoned there was given the same name, John Johnson, but we all had different nicknames and my oh. nickname was Fritz. Okay. So he goes by Fritz Johnson. This guy is just extremely eccentric. People love him, but he's weird. Mm. He signs his checks. Well, he, he writes the name Fritz Johnson, but he never dates the checks with months. He dates it with seasons. This is a detail I found out about him. He would write, if a check was to be cashed in July, he would write summer. That's some homeschooled shit. If you were going to ca cash a check in December, he would just write winter. Um, He's a bartender, but after, after work, he gets access to the local radio station and he practices his uh, professional broadcasting skills to the point where in 1959, the radio station hires him to be a disc jockey. Okay. And he specializes in doing stunts and publicity stunts. For example, at one point, they mounted a box on top of a flagpole and Fritz stayed in that box. He tried to stay in it for 30 days to raise awareness and money for polio. He was able to do it for 15. Yeah, move over, David Blaine. This is such a radio stunt, right? Yeah, David Blaine actually did that. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 50 years later, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fritz Johnson was first. Oh, shit. He basically starts becoming a local legend. Mm. Uh, he drives a hearse, but he fills it with pillows 
and incense, and he calls it his hunting mobile, Ooh. and he uses it to pick up chicks. I, I and, knew a ska band that used to ride around in a hearse. They were called Awful Waffle. Well, anyway, Fritz's Awful Waffle worked <laughs> because he ended up marrying a 20-year-old model. Okay. Now, this is like the early 60s, so at 20 years old, she was already a divorcee with a child, but that's okay. Fritz adopted the kid and got her pregnant um, with another son. Okay. In 1964, he has a bit of bad luck mm. and he develops, a, there's like a malignant tumor behind his eye. Doctors go in, they do surgery. He ends up losing the eye. Okay. And for the rest of his life, he sports an eye patch, which just adds to the allure of Fritz Johnson, radio disc jockey, stuntman, picks up chicks in his decked out hearse, married to a model, wears an eye patch. It sounds like a story that would uh, one of the kids would tell in the Sandlot. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else is there to say about Fritz Johnson other than he's successful? People love him. He's on the radio. He's a local celebrity. Oh, he's extremely good at archery. Okay. And in fact, he's so good at archery that a sporting goods company hires him to go to a convention mm. and show off some bows and arrows that they're selling. And this is where the story gets fucking weird. He shoots his other eye out. Listen to this. Okay. <laughs> He's at this convention mm. when a man comes up to him. And even though he has an eye patch and a mustache and he's a famous DJ, disc jockey, married to a model, rides around a hearse. This guy goes, aren't you my friend Larry who died? Ooh. And Fritz was like, con man. <laughs> Fritz says, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's, uh, that's funny, but no, you have me mistaken. The guy goes, okay. Two days later, the guy comes back to the convention and he has a 21 year old girl with him. Uh -huh. And this 21 year old girl, hold on. I have her name. Uh, her name is Suzanne Pieka. Okay. She goes up to Fritz and she says, this is a famous quote to him. She says, pardon me. But aren't you my uncle Larry Bader, who died seven years ago? And again, they say Fritz kind of he's getting weirded out now. Yeah. And he's like, he thinks it's funny. He's like, yeah, no, like, why do you guys keep asking me that? Mm. Well, Susan Pieka then calls her uncles, two guys, and they fly to Chicago from Akron, Ohio. And okay. they and they meet Fritz Johnson. Yeah. And they go, Aren't you our brother? Who's supposed to be dead? Yeah. And at this point, he's like, I'm not. And this is getting a little freaky. And mm -hmm. they say, well, our brother, Larry Bader, he was in the Navy and we have his fingerprints on record. Will you go and could we check the fingerprints? And Fritz goes, yeah, okay. They go down to the police station. They check the fingerprints. They, they take him, whatever. We're like, we'll call you in a few days. They get a call a few days later. Fritz does. It's a match. You are Larry Bader. Oh, shit. <laughs> Venom snake. Suddenly, Fritz Johnson is told, your whole life, the memories that you have, what you who you think you are for 30 years, it's false. You forgot that you had another life. Let's... Let's pause here and let's talk about this Larry Bader guy. Okay. Who is Larry Bader? Who are all these people searching for? Larry Bader was a guy who went missing on March 15th, 1957. 
Okay. He, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me see. Do I have it in my notes here? Oh, I've just, I lost my spot. All right. I'll tell you what I know from memory. Sure. He had a business trip. He was like a, a dinnerware salesman, like a Tupperware salesman. And he told his wife he had to go on a business trip. He had three kids with his wife. Uh, and after his business trip, he was going to do a little fishing on like Lake Michigan or something. Mm. His wife begged him like not to go, but he's and uh, he's quoted as the last thing he ever said to her. She's like, can you skip your fishing trip and come straight back after after the business? He said, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Well, he never came back. They discovered the boat uh, missing the next day. Apparently, he had sailed into a storm and the storm was so violent. They assumed that he had been tossed overboard. OK. And died. Five years later. He was rediscovered living as Fritz Johnson in Chicago. Famous radio host, Fritz Johnson. Okay. Fritz Johnson, who drove the hearse around. Yeah. Who picked up chicks, who married a model, who was sitting on top of the flagpole to raise awareness for polio, was the same Larry Bader who had abandoned his wife and kids, who had... Outstanding debt with the IRS for $20,000. Whose wife had thought he had been dead? I'm sorry, I think it said five years. For seven years. When he was rediscovered alive, it brought all these ethical conundrums into question. Yeah. For one, his wife had collected like $40,000 in life oh, insurance no. that now needed to be paid <laughs> back. She had also oh, collected man. money from the government, like $250 a month. Uh, in like death benefits to support her family. All of this needed to be paid back. Not only that, his wife, Mary Lou had moved on, had started dating and had been proposed to, and was getting ready to have a second marriage. But because she was Catholic, uh, She's going to hell. She didn't believe in divorce. She's an adulterer. This is the like early 60s at yeah. this point. <laughs> they, they wouldn't let her get out of her marriage. Oh so God. now she's stuck. But here's the thing. She can't marry the new guy, so she talks to Fritz. Kill yourself. Fritz doesn't remember her. He tells her, here's the thing about Fritz, because you're saying like, oh, it's a con man. It's a con yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he immediately got a lawyer because he's like, this is fucked up. Yeah. And his lawyer told him, you need to go talk to a whole fucking army of psychologists and psychiatrists yeah. and like figure out what's going on. Because, uh, well, sorry, like those other people could also be the con men. Like the people coming to him saying, "Aren't you my brother?" They could be. Like they, they could be conning. Like, oh, this fucking Fritz guy. We're gonna get it, get Maybe. him for all he's worth. But no, they checked his fingerprints. That's true. It was confirmed, and they all recognized him. Yeah, like his niece and his brothers recognized him. Um, a team of psychiatrists examined him for ten days, and their conclusion was that he had no recollection of his former life. Okay. Maybe he got some brain damage in that storm or something. There were quotes uh, from Fritz Johnson because he was really distraught about it. He said, um, it was like a physical shock up until that moment. I had no doubt that I was not Larry Bader, but when I heard that the fingerprints match, it was like a door had been slammed and somebody hit me right in the face. My God, don't you understand? All of a sudden I find out Oh, sorry, I'm getting a phone call here. I find out that 30 years of my life never happened. You see, I really do have 30 years of memory as Fritz Johnson. What am I supposed to do with those 30 years? Throw them out the door? Um, 
He never reconciled with his original wife, Mary Lou. Okay. She said that she went to meet him and it was like talking to a stranger. He had no memory of her and she, she didn't know, like, I can't treat you as anything other than a stranger. She said that she always hoped that he would remember and come back, but he never did. His new wife, she said she would stick by him, but their marriage wasn't legal. Lately, legally, yeah, they couldn't yeah. stay together. So she ended up leaving him. Shit. Um, With the kid too. Well, here's what happened. Mm. Shortly after all of this was discovered, within a year and a half, two years, that tumor behind his eye, it came back. And he ended up dying of cancer, which means in the middle of all this, he drops dead. And we'll never know if he was perpetrating a hoax or if this was a real case of amnesia. Now, I was reading about this, and there are rare, rare, rare cases of people suffering from amnesia. Yeah, I wonder if the tumor was involved. And uh, what is it called? It's called disassociative amnesia, a rare condition where a person has no memory of their life and will manifest new memories and a new personality to replace what they lost. Usually, um, it's caused by overwhelming stress. There was a case of this, a documented case in 2005. A lawyer from New York City disappeared and was later found living in Chicago as a homeless person. And they said that the trauma of, apparently he was like a Vietnam vet, yeah, and being so close to 9-11, triggered something in him where he went into a full, what they call a fugue state and replaced his life with this new identity. I have some theories. Well, the thing is, before we get to your theories, apparently disassociative amnesia is not permanent. No. Usually those memories will reawaken. That didn't happen for Fritz. But also Fritz died shortly after discovering this. And at the time, doctors told him, don't try too hard to remember your past life because it could trigger a psychotic break. This was the 60s. Maybe they didn't understand things as well as they do now, but they basically told him, don't think too hard about this. Just be who you are now. But there are certain overlapping things from both lives. Mm. For example, Larry Bader loved archery. Fritz Johnson was really good at archery. And where did that name Fritz come from? Fritz the cat. Well, apparently Larry Bader's boss at that Tupperware company was named Fritz Zepf. Oh. Was a German man. Okay. So that's it. I mean, yeah. Supposedly, whether or so there's two things to believe here. Either Larry Bader had overwhelming debt and just hated his life and orchestrated this whole story so that he could just get a clean break from his family and start over as Fritz Johnson. But the doctors weren't able to determine whether he was telling the truth or not. Or everything he said was true. And one day, we lost the light. Sorry, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep talking. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't, it might not be plugged in. It's okay. okay. Don't worry about it because I'm almost at the end yeah, here. Yeah. Or one day, Fritz was on a fishing trip, stressed out because his life is going wrong. This horrible storm hits. He almost dies. Yeah. Maybe he actually suffers a little bit of head trauma, whatever. Wakes up on the edge of the lake, has a suitcase with him for whatever reason, wanders into Chicago. I'm John Johnson. Can I have a job here? I I personally feel like he probably learned about the tumor and had this moment of like, 
oh, I'm going to die. Fuck it. I'm in debt. Let's go. And decided to, you know, start anew. Because, I mean, this is like, this is, it wasn't a thing that wasn't uncommon at the time. People had two families. It's weird in the 60s, <laughs> there was no social, there was no communication. Like, oh, dad's going on a business trip for a month. Okay, cool. And then you learn like, oh, I have a secret family. <laughs> like people had, had done stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the like time. there's no internet, telephones, yeah. or just like operator, call my wife. She's not in. All right, I'll try it next week. Exactly. Like people definitely had secret families then. So I could see this being some type of thing. But I feel like when he got caught, it would take a like a genius level person to like fake having not like because I feel like if, if if you pretend like you're someone else, I could probably hit you with a random joke that would like make you laugh, like some like yeah. inside joke. Like it would be hard to fake that. So there is a level of weirdness to it where I'm like, yeah. And he seemed very like uh, distraught. He actually, the reports say he thought it was just kind of strange and amusing up yeah. until the point where they confirmed that he was Larry yeah. Bader, and then he just like didn't know what to do, mm. um, and just maintained like, I don't know who Larry Bader is. Yeah, I just don't know. Yeah, that's that's very strange. Indeed, it is, and that <laughs> is the conclusion of today's episode. Leave a comment. What would you do if you suddenly realized? That you, that like, uh, yeah, your whole identity was fake and there's another life out there that you need to get back to. Do you try to get back to your old life or do you stick to your guns with the new one? I don't know. Let us know. Hey, by the way, uh, follow us on Instagram. We are the mega strange podcast on Instagram. You can follow me personally at Derek Acosta only. You can follow me catboy underscore slim. Yes. And check out cryptid crate. Use the code mega strange. All one word, all lowercase, to get your $5 off discount on the sampler or 25% off your first month subscription. We're going to be back on Tuesday with another mailbag episode, and we'll be back next Saturday with another full, freaky, full-fledged episode of Mega Strange. So until then, stay strange, everybody. We'll see you next time.